0: you Jeremiah chapter 50 tonight Sunday nights through the Bible Genesis to Revelation if you're with us this evening and you don't have a Bible men are coming up the aisles right now with Bibles and you just flag them and they'll put a Bible in your hand and uh, so you can follow along this evening if you don't own a Bible please make that Bible uh, a gift to you uh, this evening we remember in uh, uh, chapters Uh, 46 to 51, uh, Jeremiah delivers a series of prophecies uh, to the nations that surrounded the southern kingdom of Judah, and uh, most of them having to do with a judgment that would come to them. God was going to judge Judah for their sin, for their idolatry, and for their wickedness, um, but uh, just because and Judah being God's people, they were committed to Him, uh, though in a very you know marginal kind of state at that point in their history, and uh, but God wanted wants the world to know then and for the world to know today uh, that uh, sin, is sin is sin in His eyes. It's not right when it's present in the lives of His people, but it is no more right when it's present in uh, the nations of the world, or the pagan nations of the world that reject the God of the Bible altogether. He will uh, judge it. And so we've seen uh, in recent weeks his judgment that he pronounced upon Egypt and then Philistia, Moab, Ammon, Edom, Damascus, and then we uh, uh, began last time his pronouncement of, of judgment upon. Uh, Babylon, the city of Babylon, and the kingdom of Babylon, and we stop uh, part way uh, through it when we uh, look at the the book of Jeremiah, and I've, especially for those of you who are altogether new to it uh, with us tonight it 's important to understand that what we are reading here in terms of a prophecy from Jeremiah to the Babylonians that This prophecy is written, uh, is given by Jeremiah, uh, to Jeremiah, by God, at least 70 years prior to the fulfillment of the prophecy. Uh, The children of Israel in the form of of Judah would go into bondage uh, for 70 full years into captivity into the Babylonian kingdom. This prophecy was given sometime before even that captivity took place. So... This was something that was being spoken of prophetically before it came to pass. It would be kind of like if uh, somebody got up in with, by the Holy Spirit and with 100% accuracy, got up and prophesied to us tonight of uh, what will be happening in terms of the greatest uh, uh, empire or country in the world in the year 2087. And we would look at that and go, whoa, What are, <laughs> are you kidding me? We're gonna, we know what's going to happen in 2087? I mean, we would marvel at it, and then with 100% accuracy. And I think that sometimes when we look at Old Testament prophecy that's been fulfilled and we look back on it as already fulfilled, we can lose kind of the, the awe, the wow factor associated with it that would have been true uh, in the hearts of the people that were receiving it and then would have been in the hearts of the people uh, 70 years later when it is actually occurring before their eyes. And so the, the prophetic element of the Scriptures is, is a wonder and is unique to uh, God, uh, God Himself. And so... God speaks about his judgment against Babylon, and uh, even though he used Babylon to judge the southern kingdom of Judah for their sins, um, uh, he he judges Babylon specifically for two issues, on the basis of their own sin that they were committing and, and unacceptable in the eyes of God. And then second, When they did overthrow Jerusalem and overthrow Judah, they exceeded uh, the boundaries of what God wanted them to do. They took the punishment, they took the destruction, they took the death and the mayhem further than God wanted uh, them to. And so uh, God noticed that, and he's going to judge them for that. So we pick up here this evening, chapter 50, verse 33. It helps us to know what we're in the middle of. And here... Is it uh, is where he's declaring uh, the destruction and the coming uh, judgment upon Babylon. In contrast to all of that, uh, God steps into the middle of the prophecy and uh, declares himself and identifies himself as Israel's redeemer. Thus says the Lord of hosts: The children of Israel were oppressed, along with the children of. Uh, of Judah, and all who took them captive have held them fast, and they have refused to let them go. And so God had given the prophecy to the the children of Israel, southern kingdom, uh, northern kingdom of Israel went into uh, captivity to the Assyrians a hundred plus years uh, earlier, and then uh, the uh, southern kingdom of Judah went into captivity to the Babylonians. And the Babylonian empire was so strong when you would look at it at the time these prophecies were given, you would never guess that Babylon would ever be overthrown. Uh, just, again, the, uh, the gardens of the ancient city of Babylon, just the gardens alone of Nebuchadnezzar were considered one of the wonders of the ancient world. And, and the, the wall that surrounded the entire city, some, something like 84 miles worth of wall, uh, 320 feet high. Uh, and that's like a thirty-storey story building plus in front of you. If you ever it sat on a plane, it wasn't on a mountain. It sat on a plane upon the Euphrates River. And here you come to attack this uh, particular city, and the first thing you hit are walls that are 320 feet high. It'd be like, uh, can we tackle something simpler uh, than this? And the the depth of the walls were eighty five feet. They ran chariot races around the wall on top of the walls of the city for the children of Israel to look at it and to be given the promise that one day they're going to be released from the uh, the absolute grip of Babylon. It it seemed impossible to them. And Babylon had no intention of letting loose of the children of Judah, had no idea that they they were going to hold them captive for 70 years because of the 490 years that the children of Israel uh, failed to honor the uh, Sabbath year. And they owed God in the 490 years, they owed the land 70 years of rest. They don't understand any of that. They don't care about any of that. But in their mind, this kingdom was going to go on for a 1,000 years. And yet it's going to end very, very quickly. And uh, it's going to end because of nothing to do, you know, I mean, it will involve the Medes and the Persians and so forth, but supremely it had to do with this was all about God's people. It was all about what he was doing. The important thing, you know, when we read history and we look at history, uh, there's kind of a clever little saying that talks about history being his story, being God's story. And that's the main point of history. Uh, When you look at history, it isn't what nation moved here and what nation uh, attacked this one and conquered this one and so forth. And we don't know all of the details behind the scenes, but what's really important about human history is what God was doing. And when God was done after 70 years with what he wanted to do with his people and done with the Babylonian Empire as, as a result of that, then it was time to move on to something else. But in the meantime, it looked like, yeah, God is giving us this promise is that we're going to get delivered from Babylon, but it doesn't look like that's ever going to happen. And then God comes on the scene here in the prophecy, and he introduces himself Um, In verse 34, uh, he introduces himself as Israel's redeemer, their redeemer. Yes, I know how strong Babylon is, but the children uh, of Israel, their redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is his name. So all they could see was all the glitter of the weaponry of the Babylonian army and how magnificently equipped they were, how beautiful they uh, were in kind of a military fashion and, and so forth, and their heart would Think of ever being uh, released. And then the Lord not only introduces himself as Israel's Redeemer, uh, the one who is going to release them from this strong grip, but he identifies himself as the Lord of Hosts. That speaks of the fact that. He is the God of a heavenly host. He is a God of a heavenly army, speaking of the angelic uh, host, an army that is greater than any army man will ever put together, including all of our technology uh, today and all of our weaponry today, which is fearsome, uh, by the way, but nothing compared uh, to what uh, God has uh, in his... At uh, his uh, beck and call. And so the Lord of hosts is his name, and he will pl- uh, thoroughly plead their case that he may give rest to the land and disquiet the inhabitants of uh, Babylon. And so, yes, they were held by a strong nation, but they would be released by uh, one who was. Uh, stronger. It uh, reminds me of what Jesus said concerning the devil and, and a Christian in Luke chapter 11. He said, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, that is the devil protecting, uh, kind of keeping his hold upon people that he wants to continue uh, to control. He feels that his goods are at, at peace. No one can take these people uh, from him. But Jesus said, when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divided his spoils. Uh, Jesus and the God of the Bible are always the stronger one than anything that we face or any enemy uh, that we have. He goes on then in verse 35, and he speaks of, uh, God speaks of his judgment that he will bring against uh, all of the different levels of Babylon. And he said, a sword is against the Chaldeans, says the Lord, against the inhabitants of Babylon and against her princes. And so he would judge uh, her leaders. Also against her wise men. A sword is against the soothsayers, and they shall be fools. A sword is against her mighty men, and they will be uh, dismayed. He then speaks of... Uh, of uh, the sword he will bring against their military. A sword is against their horses, against their chariots, and against all the mixed people who are in her midst. She not, Babylon not only had her own armies, but she had uh, huge mercenary armies that were a part of her military force. And they shall become like women, speaking about the, how they will fail in the face of of the battle. This can seem like an affront in, in the current atmosphere related to women. But in those days, uh, women weren't f- uh, flying F 16s or whatever other ones we have, or snipers, or anything like that. In this day, it was just sheer brute strength in terms of battle. And it wouldn't matter what a woman had in terms of determination or what, uh, when someone would burst into her home and knock a door down and it's five guys who were uh, six foot five and 280 pounds, she would have uh, in the ancient weaponry have no hope uh, uh, before that kind of just Uh, brute force. And so, this is kind of uh, what they would feel, uh, even as men, when God would bring his judgment upon them, a sword is against her treasures, and they shall be robbed. A drought is against her waters, and they shall be dried up. When... King Cyrus uh, ultimately uh, uh, conquers the city of Babylon and the Babylonian Empire, one of the things that he did in order to take the city is Babylon sits on the Euphrates River and, uh, and a tremendous canal system set up around it. That's why it, it flourished so much in terms of like a green spot. And what they did is they simply diverted the river Euphrates to bring the water level down enough that it would drop enough distance between the water and the bottom of the gates that were in those places, and then their military went up through that. And so God here speaks of even how uh, how Cyrus would end up diverting the water, drying it up, so to speak, to then gain access to the city. For it is, the <clears throat> speaking of... Babylon, it is uh, uh, the land of carved uh, images, and they are insane with their idols. That's a passage that we'll preach, by the way, because it's a wonderful line, isn't it? Insane with their idols. Uh, uh, their idolatry is basically the worship of any created thing. All of, all of the entire universe and beyond is only made up of, there's two distinct uh, categories. Uh, there is creator, and that is made up of one, uh, a triune God. And then there is the creation, is, is everything else. And so to worship anything that is, the, is creation, anything other than the true and the living God, is idolatry. And so you look around, and that doesn't matter whether it's a car or a home or, uh, you know, the American dream or some philosophy or a person or whatever, a job, whatever it might be be its idolatry if it becomes more important to us than God. And uh, surely the world that we live in, the nation that we live in, uh, is insane where there are idols. The key is, is that we are not in that same category as Christians, that we love the Lord more than anything else Uh, in our life and then receive everything else gratefully, but as uh, not crowding out the place that only the creator deserves within our hearts. And then as he continues to speak about the judgment, therefore the wild desert beast shall dwell there in Babylon, speaking of the greatness of her destruction, also with the jackal's And the ostriches shall uh, dwell there. It shall be inhabited no more forever, nor shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation. As God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighbors, says the Lord. And so no one shall reside there, nor son of man dwell in it. Now, you remember a number of weeks ago, probably you don't. That's why I'm mentioning it again. But when we look at this prophecy that God makes against the uh, Babylon and the Babylonian kingdom... That uh, the the vast majority of his prophecy against them had a near fulfillment that would be fulfilled under the invasion uh, by the Medes and the Persians under the leadership of Cyrus. But there are aspects of this prophecy that are given here uh, that have, uh, have a future fulfillment. We have not yet seen them fulfilled. Uh, in, uh, yet in terms of Babylon. Uh, Babylon, when it was uh, taken by uh, Cyrus, he did not level the city. Uh, even Alexander the Great, when he conquered Babylon uh, later, he did some level of destruction to the city, but not the kind of destruction that we read about here. So this is a destruction or a judgment on Babylon that is, is yet future. And it's one of those things that you kind of... I heard Pastor Chuck Smith speak one time about things within the Bible that we can't quite get figured out in this age in which God has called us to live for him in human history. So you always have to have a file that is the more information needed file. And this goes into that category. So he speaks of the coming... a, a, a complete destruction of Babylon that hasn't occurred yet... Uh, you go into the book of Revelation that describes a judgment that's going to come upon the whole earth uh, during the seven-year tribulation period, and two entire chapters of that, uh, chapters uh, 6 through 19, two entire chapters are given over to the destruction of number one, spiritual Babylon, and then number two, commercial Babylon. I think it's chapters 16 and 17 or 17 and 18. And so, somehow, all of these things are going to come together, it just, as best as I can look at it, uh, 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 it it ends up fulfilled. How it ends up and where uh, is not uh, completely clear uh, to me. But I'm open to being instructed, so if you have a theory on it, uh, be sure and email it to Tom. Uh, And he's, he's the one that gets stuff to me. Uh, then uh, he describes the taking of uh, Babylon. Behold, a people shall come from the north, and, uh, and uh, as, uh, as Cyrus did in the Medes and the Persians, and a great nation and many kings shall be raised up from the ends of, of the earth. And so, again, it was a Medo-Persian empire that was established after defeating the Babylonians. So it was the Medes and the Persians gathering together with a lot of other lesser nations, Uh, in terms of power, uniting together to overthrow uh, Babylon. And so here uh, it describes this people coming, uh, a great nation, but many kings shall be raised up from the ends of the earth. They shall hold, uh, hold the bow and the lance. They are cruel and shall not show mercy. Their voice shall roar like the sea. They shall ride on horses, set in array like a man for battle against you, O daughter of uh, Babylon. And so, that would be a very, very frightening uh, thing to see. The king of Babylon has heard uh, the report about them, and his uh, hands uh, grow uh, feeble, and uh, anguish has taken hold of him, uh, pangs as of a woman in childbirth. And so, when uh, this, all of this is described in, later on in Daniel chapter 5, you remember the great-grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar ends up being the king of the uh, Babylonian Empire. When it is overthrown by the Medes and the Persians, he is in a room partying with a bunch of people in some kind of a drunken party. He gets the harebrained idea of going uh, to where the treasuries are of Babylon and bringing out all of the holy uh, vessels that were uh, used by the priests in the worship of Jehovah in Jerusalem, and then to introduce them into the party so that they could get drunk with these instruments. Uh, I don't know if you'll ever have an opportunity to do that in the course of your life, but never do it if you do have the opportunity. Uh, this uh, troubled God a great deal, and God uh, put a, uh, brought a hand without a body, and it wrote upon the walls of the palace there in the room, meanie, meanie, tekel you, farsin. That would freak you out, and it did freak him out. And the, the Bible says that his entire hips were loosed and uh, his knees began to knock he lost control of the lower part of his body he was so afraid and uh, daniel as you might under- understand was brought in to uh, give the interpretation of the meaning you, Belshazzar which he said uh, that belshazzar you have been weighed in the balance and found wanting and your kingdom is now given over to the medes and to the persians and that very night uh, babylon was conquered by cyrus and then, and uh, Belshazzar uh, died as a result. And so here you have, again, the incredible detail uh, given related to the prophetic element of what would be the reaction of the king of Babylon uh, to all of this when it occurred. And behold, uh, 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 is a, we get the description of the overwhelming force that will uh, come against Babylon. Behold, he shall come up like a lion from the floodplain uh, of the Jordan against the dwelling place of the strong. Floodplain is where there would be reeds around the Jordan River and so forth. And the one thing, if you went down to get a drink from the river and you went down into the reeds, one thing you would never want to see jump out at you would be a lion uh, because you're done, basically. Uh, I don't know, care if you know judo or what you might know. You're going to be a meal. And and so, just talking about a lion is, is, you know, fierce, unstoppable, uh, and uh, invincible is a hungry lion looking for prey. And so, they would come against the dwelling place of the strong That I will make them suddenly run away from her. And who is a chosen man that I may appoint over her for who is like me and who will arraign me and who is the shepherd who will withstand me? And I think that's a great uh, message to any individual human being in the world today or any nation in the world. Uh, Nobody can fight with God and have any hope Uh, of winning. The news of the fall of Babylon, it would shock the world and Jeremiah makes that the focus now in this prophecy as God gives it to him. Therefore, hear the counsel of the Lord that he has uh, taken against Babylon, and his purpose is that he has purposed against the land of the Chaldeans. Surely the least of the flock shall draw them out. Uh, surely he will make their dwelling place desolate with them at the noise of the taking of Babylon, the earth trembles and the cry is heard among the nations. And so the idea is that if Babylon fell in this kind of a way, uh, with all of its wealth, all of its military, all of its power and influence, then all of the other kingdoms of the world realize, wow, if they can fall, then we can fall as well. And it put the fear of God uh, in, in everyone. And the fear of God is a very, very a good thing, chapter 51. And uh, the uh, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up against Babylon, against those who dwell in Lebkammai. And this is a, a reference to the Chaldeans. I will raise up a destroying wind, and I will send winnowers to Babylon who shall winnow her and empty her land. For in the day of doom they shall be against her all around, Against her, set the archer uh, against her, let the archer bend his bow this is the ancient version of a sniper and lift himself up against her in his armor. Do not spare her. young men utterly destroy all of her army, and thus the slain shall fall in the land of the Chaldeans and those th- thrust through um, in her streets. Uh, For Israel Israel is not forsaken, nor Judah, by his God, the Lord of hosts, though their land was filled with sin against the Holy One of Israel. And so, by the destruction, what Jeremiah is saying here, the destruction of Babylon by the Lord uh, will prove to Israel and Judah that even though God had judged them for their sin, they hadn't been widowed. Uh, He hadn't divorced. Divorced them, or he hadn't gotten rid of them. He was still their husband. That's the imagery of the Old Testament. In the New Testament, as, as Christians, we are uh, known by the imagery of the Bride of Christ, and so uh, that's how it's portrayed in the Old Testament. The children of Israel were uh, the 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 uh, wife uh, of uh, of the Lord, and so uh, here he he talks about the fact that though the judgment had occurred, he had not widowed them. Or abandon them. In the midst of all of this, then, as God is prophesying against Babylon, he then uh, declares to his people that when this starts to happen, you need to flee the midst of, of Babylon. Free from the mit- flee from the midst of Babylon and everyone save his life. And do not be cut off in her iniquity, for this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He shall recompense her. And so, when this judgment came against Babylon, it was to be… And remember, uh, we'll see in a little bit uh, at the end of the chapter that these prophecies are going to be read to uh, the uh, children of Israel who are captive in Babylon… And so they're going to be aware of this 70 years before the events occur. And so their eyes are open to watching this. You remember Daniel uh, when he was reading it as he begins the book of Daniel and. And uh, he was reading Jeremiah's prophecies, and he knew that the seventy years was coming close, and that God was going to fulfill all of this. The Jews were watching uh, this uh, to occur after seventy years, and so God said, "When this starts to happen, get out of uh, get out of Babylon when you get the chance." And Cyrus, when he defeated Babylon, he then allowed these peoples that had been taken captive from their land to return to their native lands. God tells the children of Israel, don't dilly-dally around in Babylon. Take advantage of the opportunity to get back to to the land. Get out of Babylon because I'm going to judge it. It reminds me when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and he said, come out from among them and be ye separate. The call to us as Christians in terms of the idolatrous world that we live in, we, we must never, ever... Uh, live our lives in such a way that we are united with what God has promised he will judge and he must judge. We must not unite with the sin of the world and whatever else the world is engaged in because we never know when God is going to bring his judgment down on it and we as his people are not to be found united with what we know he must judge. It's a foolish gamble to take and, and a foolish risk uh, to take. And so he tells them, get out of there and do, uh, do, uh, 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 do not be cut off in her iniquity, for this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He shall recompense her. And uh, he describes Babylon as a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all of the earths drunk. The nations drank her wine. And therefore, the nations were uh, deranged. And so the world, entire world at that time, that part of the world had come under the influence of her sin and and of her uh, idolatry and had become deranged as a result of it. After all, you look at Babylon, here's this great city and this great everything, and, and, and who would make it great except her gods? And so the nations of the world began to follow her gods and so forth. And as I've mentioned before, Babylon in the ancient world was idolatry central. There's more idolatry than you could ever get your head around. And uh, that's why God sent his children into judgment there. Uh, They wanted idolatry in in, uh, Judah. They wanted to worship all of these things and yet still have a relationship with God and continue to go through the motions at the temple and so forth. And God says, I have a cure for that. Uh, You like idols so much and I'm such a burden to you, I'll send you to Babylon where you can just have all the idols you want and see the kind of human being it produces, the kind of society that it produces, and go get your fill of it. Eat all of those, you know, uh, idols until they come out of your nose. And it became an absolute cure. Uh, for uh, Israel related to uh, idolatry. uh, 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 Israel, uh, following their return from the Babylonian captivity, it it wasn't that they were perfect by any means, but they never went back to idolatry in in that way. It did uh, cure them. Sometimes that's what God does. I've seen it in pastoring for 32, 33 years. I've seen them do it over and over again with people that want to do this one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God, and they think, wow, I've kind of created a new way of having a relationship with God. You don't have to take all of this so seriously. You can have a relationship with God, fire insurance, not worry about heaven or anything like that, pray and and expect His blessings and enjoy all the sins of the world too. And then one day God does something and he lifts something off of them and uh, lifts himself away from that person and then now they uh, go in headlong into the sin and virtually become unrecognizable in exploring it. Uh, And then God never lets go of us in that place. And then brings us out, and it's like, okay, I never want to do that again. I thought I was ready to write a book on, um, you know, the new version of Christianity that's not as serious as the one in the Bible. And then God brought me to my senses. Now we need to uh, walk with him. Uh, with all of our heart. And Babylon shall suddenly, uh, has suddenly fallen and been destroyed. Wail for her. Take balm for her pain. Perhaps she may be uh, healed. And uh, we would have healed Babylon. This is the, the cry of the exiles from Judah looking at Babylon. They've been in there uh, for some period of time. We would have healed Babylon, but she is not healed. Forsake her and let us uh, go everyone to his own country, for her judgment reaches to the heaven and is lifted up to the skies. The Lord has revealed our righteousness, and come and let us declare in Zion the work of the Lord our God. And so God is communicating to, uh, the, Bab- uh, to the children of Judah uh, th- that Babylon is incurable. You cannot heal her. Uh, don 't stay in Babylon and try and influence the system and so forth When I judge it. Get out and then go back to your land and and let 's continue my plans for your life there and when it talks about, uh, come let us declare there in verse 10, in Zion the work of the Lord our God. The idea is let's, go, let's leave Babylon, let's go back to the land and then report the wonderful thing that God has done in judging the Babylonian empire and setting us free to return here and uh, the conqueror of uh, the one who is going to defeat Babylon again. Remember, this is given at least 70 years prior to these events, and now he identifies who is going to be. It was inconceivable that Babylon would be overthrown. God even goes further out on the limb, and he identifies who's uh, who's going to overthrow them, and then goes further out on the limb and identifies who will do it. Make the arrows bright. Gather the shields. The Lord has raised up the spirit of the kings of the Medes, and so uh, the Medes would be the the uh, tip of the spear in terms of the invasion. And Cyrus. King Cyrus, uh, the leader of, of the Medes, he, he's identified later on. But uh, here is the, the king that's going to be a part of that. For his plan, that is God's plan, is against Babylon to destroy it because it is the vengeance uh, of the Lord, the vengeance for his temple. When Babylon, uh, the Babylonians conquered uh, Jerusalem for the third time, And they were pretty upset about having uh, to do that. But again, they went too far in the slaughter of the people and in the humiliation of the people. And God wanted to chasten them. He wanted to teach them a lesson, but he did not want them uh, to go as far, uh, his people a lesson, but he did not want the Babylonians to go as far as they did. And he noticed it. He took note of it, and that was an affront to him And it's a significant reason for why he ends up judging them here. Set up the standard on the walls of Babylon. Make the guards strong. Set up the watchmen. Prepare the ambushes, for the Lord has both devised and done what he spoke against the inhabitants of Babylon. So he's talking about the fact that he's calling Babylon to put together all of their military to defend their city, but it will be useless. No amount of wealth, no amount of military, no amount of of anything is going to uh, be successful in uh, keeping the uh, defeat from coming to them. Uh, O you who dwell by many waters, again speaking of the fact that Babylon sat upon the Euphrates River and also its famous Canal system, abundant in treasures, your end is come. The, tre- the measure of your covetousness, the Lord of hosts has sworn by himself. Surely I will fill you with men as with locusts, and they shall f- uh, lift up a shout against you. One of the things in those days that they would have is these plagues of locusts, and they would just come in like this gigantic army and voraciously gobble up anything that uh, was uh, within their sight. And uh, so this invading army would uh, swallow up the wealth uh, and and the city of Babylon. And uh, and God makes clear to them here in verse 15 uh, to Babylon that their enemy uh, was Jehovah and uh, the power of their enemy in contrast to the power that they thought that they had. It makes me uh, think. I can't help but always when I read Jeremiah to think about it in terms of the United States of America, our place currently in, in history, and, uh, and to realize we do have a, a, a Christian heritage here. We have a Bible heritage here. It's being thrown off so, so, so very rapidly. I think that it was, um, uh, oh, I'm forgetting the um, Supreme Court Justice. Uh, they uh, recently interviewed um, but he, he made the comment in terms of, you know, what unites us as Americans. And, and he made the observation that I think that most of us have, uh, nothing. Uh, nothing. We're so thoroughly divided. God is no longer the foundation of the nation. It, 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 righteousness and so forth that comes from all of that is not what what unites us, uh, the, the things in God we trust and so forth. I remember when President Bush, Bush too, uh, gave the speech and he talked about the greatness of the United States of America was the free, our free market enterprise. And I thought, are you... Well, I can't. He was a president, so I i got to be careful with my words, but I thought, that's nuts. Uh, you, are you kidding me? We've come down to this place that the only thing we have to offer the world, the only thing we stand for in the whole world is the easiest place to come and make a buck? Are you kidding me? Is this, is this, this is how we view all of this? Uh, uh, and it's worse now, much uh, worse uh, now. And uh, God can overthrow any nation. In a night, and that's why uh, this battle for the soul of the nation. I'm not talking Republican, Democrat, I'm talking about Christian and, and the soul of the nation, the moral and spiritual welfare of the nation. And, uh, and the things that I say related to this may not be in your comfort zone, but God calls me uh, to say these things and to make these observations. We do need to be salt and light in this, in this nation. And not merely for morality, but for spirituality and for the kingdom uh, of God. We are moving very rapidly in the wrong direction. And God is not a God to be messed with. I don't care what our military is. I don't care how full of ourselves we are or whatever. All he, remember, he is the Lord of hosts. He has resources we can't even dream about. He has made the earth, verse 15, by his power. He has established the world by his wisdom and stretched out the heaven by his understanding. That kind of puts him in a category of one, doesn't it? In terms of creating the heavens and the earth, being the creator behind the creation, also being the designer behind the design. And uh, when he utters his voice... There is a multitude of waters in the heavens. He causes the vapors to ascend from uh, the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain, and he brings the wind out of his treasuries. I'd like to see the Congress do that or I'd like to see any body of rulers, no matter how great the country is in the world. We can't even do that. We can't head off a hurricane. All we can do is deal with the aftermath of it. There's all these things that go on all the time around us that speak to how frail we are and how we ought to run to God and cry out to him for his mercy and and his protection. And uh, and, and how small we are in the context of creation, let alone in the light of God. No, God is unique. You don't want to pick a fight with God. Again, it reminds me of the Jim Croce song, you no know, spitting in the wind and tugging on whoever's cape and so forth, and never pick a fight with God. Everyone is dull-hearted and uh, without uh, knowledge. Every metalsmith is put to shame by the carved image, for his molded image is falsehood, and there is no breath in them. So God contrasts himself with the idols of Babylon, And he says, he describes himself here as the creator of the heavens and the earth, the controller of nature and so forth. And then he describes what the Babylonians were worship and the idolatry of it and says, you've got these metalsmiths, these masters of all of this, and they create this very ornate God, a magnificent representation of the God. It can't talk. You put it on the mantle and it can't get off the mantle. Even in Toy Story, they could get off the mantle. These gods God can't do anything. Why would I worship something that can't uh, do anything for itself? How can I believe it would do something for me? And the same thing is true of all idolatry. The gap between, uh, again, uh, the creator and the creation, and, and, and what the one is due and the other is not due is, is infinite. And so he, he's... Trying to get them to understand the folly of all of it, they are futile, these gods they are a work of heirs, and in the time of their punishment, they shall perish the lord the portion of jacob that 's a name for the Lord is not like them. Amen. For he is the creator of all things, and Israel, and the idea is including Israel, Israel is the tribe of his inheritance, and the Lord of hosts is his name. He goes on to continue to speak about how he will break Babylon. And, uh, and, and, and specifically, God is speaking to this future general. We know him historically against Cyrus, who would lead the Medes and the Persians in the conquest of Babylon. He speaks to him now and, uh, in, in, in terms of using him as a hammer to break the power of Babylon. You are my battle axe and weapons of war. For with you, I will break the nation in pieces. With you, I will destroy kingdoms. With you, I will break in pieces the horse and its rider. With you, I will break in pieces the chariot and its rider. Uh, With you, I will break in pieces man and woman. Uh, With you, I will break in pieces the old and the young. Every level of society would be broken because every level of society was involved in what Babylon was. was and part of who uh, Babylon was. And so the judgment would go all the way through uh, the society. They were responsible for Babylon. They were enablers related uh, to, uh, to uh, Babylon. And uh, with you I will break in pieces the young man and the maiden, and with you I will break in pieces the shepherd and his flock with you, I will break in pieces the farmer and his yoke of oxen. And with you, I will break in pieces governors and rulers. And I will repay Babylon and all the inhabitants of Chaldea for all the evil they have done in Zion in your sight, says uh, the Lord. So again, God mentions his displeasure at what the Babylonians did in their treatment of, of Jerusalem Uh, when it was uh, conquered. Behold, I am against you, O destroying mountain, who destroys all of the earth, um, says the Lord. And again, talking about uh, how utter the destruction of Babylon would be, refers to her as a mountain, which is kind of an interesting thing. Uh, Babylon sits very much on a plain plain. And uh, there's no mountain at all. The mountain that he's referred to is the mountain of sin and idolatry and the influence for sin and idolatry that she was uh, in that uh, age and the destructive influence of uh, of her idolatry and her sin. And I will stretch out my hand against you, roll you down from the rocks, and make you a burnt mountain. And they, shall, uh, and they shall not take from you a, a, a stone for a corner nor a stone for a foundation, but you shall be desolate uh, forever, says the Lord. Uh, and then uh, the Lord's purpose is going to be performed against Babylon as he continues to describe all of it. Set up the banner in the land, blow the trumpet among the nations, prepare the nations against her. Call the kingdoms uh, together against her. Uh, Ararat, uh, mini, Ashkenaz, appoint. No, appoint's the next word in the sentence. It's not really a part of the kingdom. But it was all capitalized. It kind of runs together, doesn't it? But these are all different kingdoms that would join the Medes and the Persians in the eva- invasion of the Babylonians. Appoint a general against her. Cause the horses to come up like the bristling uh, locusts. Bristling locusts are locusts that are very, very hungry. That's a stage in their development. Prepare uh, against her the nations with the kings of the Medes, its kingdoms, and all of its rulers, all of the land of his dominion. The land will tremble in sorrow for every purpose of the Lord shall be performed against Babylon uh, to make the land of Babylon a desolation without inhabitants. The mighty men of Babylon have ceased fighting. They have re- remained in their strongholds. Uh, their might has failed. They became like women, and they have burned her dwelling places. The bars uh, of her gate are. Uh, are broken. And uh, one runner will run to meet another, and here you kind of, you, you again, all of this is going to be fulfilled with such dramatic uh, detail. Uh, the, the city of Babylon was very, very well known for its messenger system. We kind of had the Pony Express and the mail system in all the United States of America. It was a marvel the Pony Express was for what it, it did at that time. Well, within that city, huge city, so they had a, a, a tremendous, network of couriers to take messages from one place to the other and so forth. And now he describes the activity of even the couriers on uh, the day of Babylon's destruction. I mean, the detail is uh, really very, very interesting. One runner will meet to another. Uh, You ever kind of watch Ants When they're kind of going along, and they kind of stop long enough to kind of uh, do a little sword play with their antennas or something. I don't know what, but they're communicating something, and then they keep on going on their way. And so the news of what was happening in Babylon as it was falling, the dramatic uh, and, and rapid... Uh, you know, movement of the events. These guys look like ants running from one place, one person taking a message to this place, and then they took it to the next part of, of the of the city that was so great. One messenger to meet another, and, uh, and the messages then coming ultimately to the king of Babylon, and the messages were threefold. Uh, number one, that his uh, city is taken on all sides, that the city has been uh, taken captive. The passages, are blocked. There's no uh, way of escape. All of the uh, the river crossings have been uh, secured by the enemy, and the reeds they have burned with fire. The reeds that grew up around the river, people might be hiding inside of them. Uh, the the Medes and the Persians simply burned the reeds in order to drive out uh, any people that might be uh, hidden there. The reeds they have been with burned with fire, and the men of war are terrified. For for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, the daughter of Babylon is like a threshing floor. When it is time to crush her, yet a little while, and the time of her harvest will come. In other words, poetic language for the fact that she will be uh, crushed in the same way that a grain of wheat is uh, when it is being uh, has been harvested and then is being uh, threshed, the chaff being separated from uh, the wheat. And then here in, in verse 34 we have Judah's complaint against uh, Babylon for her excessive force and so forth uh, against uh, against Judah. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has devoured me. He has crushed me. He has made me an empty vessel. He has swallowed me up like a monster. And he has filled his stomach with my uh, uh, his stomach with my delicacies, and he has spit me out. We have a saying today, don't we? That boy, he just chewed them up and spit them out. And uh, and that's uh, that's what uh, Babylon did uh, to Judah, and it was excessive, and they recognized it. Let the violence done to me and my flesh. Be upon Babylon what they did to us, God, do to them, the inhabitants of Zion will say, and my blood be upon the inhabitants of Chaldea, uh, Jerusalem will say. And therefore, thus says the Lord. So uh, the children of, of Israel cry out to the Lord, and they say, Lord, you know what happened to us, you know what they did to us, it was excessive. And we have no means of taking vengeance against them. They're far too powerful for that. But they're not bigger than you. And you have a means of bringing vengeance upon them for what they have done. And they cry out to the Lord to do that. It's interesting, in the New Testament, we are told that as Christians, we are never to take vengeance. We are never to do it. God said, vengeance is mine. He is very possessive of that. We are not to take vengeance, but entrust vengeance in situations of unfairness to the Lord. And one of the reasons that we're not to take vengeance into our own hands is we don't have a clear enough understanding of a situation to know how far to take vengeance in a given situation. And so if we do it ourselves, we will then exceed what we ought to do, and then God will need to judge us. So God says, keep out of it. Stay out of that business. It's a business for God. It's a messy business. It requires uh, infinite wisdom and, and knowledge to, to be involved in it. Leave it to me. And they did leave it to him. And then that's why you see the first word of the verse 36. Therefore, says the Lord, and he begins to speak about the vengeance that he would take out upon them. And <clears throat> you may sit here, someone here tonight, and someone has done you a terrible, terrible wrong. And you know how that can work in your mind. I mean, all those little plans of vengeance, ka-chunk, 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 ka-chunk. Man, uh, maybe you're holier than me, but I got to process that uh, to get these things into the hands of the Lord. I can think of all kinds of terrible things uh, to do and add up all of my assets. What could I put together to really hammer them for what they've done to me? And then the Lord steps in and says, don't do it, don't touch it, leave it with me. As great as you might think, any plan you could come up in terms of vengeance against someone who has done wrong to you, it will always be if you do it, it will be inferior to what God has in mind in the situation and uh, and, and how magnificently God will handle it. Leave vengeance to the Lord we might be protecting someone 's uh, very life or very Uh, heart and future here tonight uh, with this uh, word here as it's being spoken. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will plead your uh, case and take vengeance for you. I will dry up her sea and make her springs dry. Babylon shall become a heap, a dwelling place for jackals, an astonishment and a hissing without an inhabitant. They shall roar together like lions, and they shall growl like lions' whelps. This is speaking of Babylon like young lion cubs with a fresh kill eating it and thinking they're invincible and and so forth. In their excitement, God said, I will prepare their feast. I will make them drunk that they may rejoice and sleep a perpetual sleep. And not awake, says the Lord, I will bring them down like lambs to the slaughter, like rams with uh, male goats. God said, I will judge them and take care of it. And he really does. How many of you, said for a show of hands, how many of you have been in a situation where you, uh, you, you know, you really wanted to take vengeance in a particular situation, but you obeyed God, and then sometimes it takes months and years and even uh, decades, and then sometimes that it, we won't even see that vengeance meted out until we can be long gone uh, from human history and all. But how many of you have you seen God, if it's left in his hands, seen what he's done and gone, whoa, God, way better than anything that I could do. Just a show of hands, just to see uh, that, that happened. Felt good, didn't it? I'm just kidding. Uh, but, <laughs> and you look at it and you go, wow, Lord, I am so glad I left that with you. And now I see that what I thought was the real problem or what I would have gone after them the most for, you saw this as the real problem behind it. And then how you dealt with it Lord, I just marvel uh, at it and so glad to have left it uh, with you. And it's so important that... Uh, that we do so. Oh, how uh, Shishak, and this uh, 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 a phrase that was used of Babylon in the ancient world, how she is taken. Oh, how the praise of the whole earth is seized. How Babylon has become desolate among the nations. The sea has come up over Babylon. She is covered with the multitude of its waves. Uh, her cities are a desolation, a dry land in a wilderness a land where no one dwells, through which no son of man passes. I will punish Bel, one of the principal deities of, uh, of Babylon. I will punish Bel in Babylon, and I will bring out of his mouth what he has swallowed. And so, uh, he, what did he swallowed? He had swallowed up the Jewish people and a lot of other people too. And God says, I'm going to judge him and make him vomit it up. I don't know if that's exactly in the Hebrew, but that's basically what what he's saying here i will uh, uh, i will judge this for you and the nations shall not stream to him anymore yes the wall of babylon shall fall and so we'll stop there tonight and uh, then we'll look to finish this up uh, next week and and then the uh, uh, and then to celebrate uh, as is our custom here to celebrate the conclusion uh, of a book that we have studied in that incomparable way of enjoying Costco cakes for refreshment. And so, we'll look forward to that uh, next Sunday night. Listen, it's been something to go through, Jeremiah. I don't know what it's been like for you, but it's been harder for me, trust me. And uh, But uh, we'll look forward to… Finishing out the message, it's, it's an important message. I don't want to minimize it at all or the book is just something we have to grind through. It, it's uh, that, not that at all, but we'll look to finish it next week. Let's stand together and, and we'll pray together. Father, we thank you tonight for the privilege of knowing you and to glory in you and to worship you to be able to leave vengeance in your hand, and then, Lord, to be able to process all of life as your children, uh, understanding that the human history that plays out in front of us one day at a time and can make us so anxious is all completely under your providence, that you are moving human history and our individual history forward To its God-appointed end. And we thank you, Lord, for the peace that is ours in knowing that and the recognition that what is true of all of these prophecies that we've been reading about tonight is true of all of the other prophecies concerning the end of the age, Lord, and perhaps the very age that we are in the middle of. Jesus, you're the one that told us when we begin to see these things come to pass to look up because our redemption is drawing nigh. We see so much happening prophetically around us today, Lord. It excites us. We pray that any time that we are prone to worry uh, or prone to uh, become anxious over the reports of the daily and the nitty gritty of it, Lord, that you would immediately calm our heart with the realization that all of this is under your control and the control of our Heavenly Father. We bless you for the peace that is ours in knowing all of that. We pray that you would freshly fill us with your Holy Spirit. You would give us a great Thanksgiving Day with all of our friends and our family this week that you would bless us and that you would use us, that uh, your light would shine through our lives this week. We think about uh, the evangelist team on Good Friday, and uh, not Good Friday, but Black Friday, and we ask that you would bless them as they go out and as all of us go out in our different places, and we ask that you would use us to manifest a different kingdom that exists in this world, Lord. And we pray that you would bless us, give us a great week in you, draw us closer and closer and closer to you, we pray. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.